obviously those prices did happen and are a relevant part of looking at what's going on here. But just for a second, imagine that they didn't. And we'll we'll come back to factoring that in in just a moment. But you can see that the price of silver w- wouldn't be entirely dissimilar from the gold chart or perhaps the U.S. debt chart in terms of matching some of the exponential rises that we've seen there. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics on Thursday morning, July 20th. Excited to be here with you today and dig into the latest news in the gold and silver world on what's a rather quiet morning in the financial markets. And we'll take a look through the pricing, what the metals are up to on the day, as well as some of the other recent news that has come out. Certainly, we've seen a rally in gold and silver over the past week, which has led to some changing conditions, which we'll get a little bit more information about in tomorrow's COT report, which we will touch on. But to get everything started, let's first take a look at the metals where prices are about as flat as they could be. We see uh, silver in the September futures up three-tenths of a penny at 2538 and the gold price also pretty flat in the day, down just a dollar sixty-five now at the nineteen seventy-nine level. So, if we take a look back over the past week, you can see just uh, about a week ago, gold was down in the nineteen twenty range, and silver, if we take a look back, has rallied uh, about two dollars and was down at the. 23 and change range. So again, we saw a big rally following the CPI and PPI reports last week, which came in on the lower side. And again, all of this is ahead of the Fed's meeting next Wednesday, where we'll see if we're actually getting the last rate hike of this cycle, largely priced in that there will be a quarter point hike and futures markets also pricing in that that will be the last hike of this cycle. Obviously, Throughout the past year, we've thought that we were close to the end of the Fed's hiking cycle many times. And as inflation has been harder for them to get down than perhaps even they expected, the terminal rate, as they referred to it, has been lifted uh, several times throughout the year with the Fed suggesting at the recent past few meetings that they would be targeting two more rate hikes this year. Again, we're expected to get one next Wednesday. Although with some of the inflation numbers and especially with the latest labor report coming in lower than expected at the beginning of the month, we're now seeing the markets suggest that there might be only one more rate hike, which seems to make a fair bit of sense given everything that's gone on, especially with the pause last month. seemed a little odd to have the pause and then two more rate hikes following that, especially with some of the other issues out there that we've seen in the banking sector and as we'll touch on briefly today continue to emerge in the commercial real estate sector with a lot of that debt which is owned by the regional banks so as i'm sure you're well aware the prices of things in the u.s and of course many other countries around the globe not actually coming down we're talking about the rate of increase slowing down from the frenetic pace that we saw last year And obviously, there have been myriad adjustments to the CPI formula over the past uh, 45 years or so with the general effect of making the number look smaller. So not perhaps the greatest barometer 
of how fast prices are actually going up. Yet from the Fed standpoint of the data that they talk about and say that they look at, seems like they're getting closer to the point where at least you can imagine them pausing the rate hikes, especially given that there is generally a lag between when the interest rates are changed and when that actually impacts the conditions in the economy. So again, we'll find out quite a bit more uh, next Wednesday. Like I mentioned, the gold and silver price is pretty flat so far to start the day, which I would say in many ways is actually some pretty good news because if you take a look at the dollar index, up 19 cents this morning. And if you look over the past week, while well, we've seen that rally. In fact, let's take a look back out to the three month here. After seeing the dollar fall from 103.37, dollar index rather, um, down to 99.77 last week, on last Thursday, I guess the 13th would have been um, a little bit of a rebound as it crosses back over the $100 level, yet good to see that the metals have not been selling off in response to that, which is often the case. And I think it was Tuesday, uh, it was Monday or Tuesday of this week, where we had the metals up on a day where the dollar index was up, which is not something that happens all that often these days. So after the rally of the past week, good to see the gold and silver prices hanging in there for now. And as we take a look at the longer term chart of silver, this is something I've been thinking about for a while that I don't know that I've mentioned before. I think uh, actually in an interview I did on SGT Report the other day, we talked about it a little bit. But obviously you have the spike, which this chart does not quite show the spike up to 50 in 1980, shows more so the spike where we got up to $49 in 2011. But if you take those two spikes out, it's somewhat interesting in that you can see somewhat of an exponential curve forming in silver. Now, this takes us way back to 1915, so over 100 years of the pricing data. And obviously, I know people often compare silver saying, how come we're lower than the 1980 and 2011 highs, which... I don't want to discount entirely because I think that was something that's been a valid data point for many people, myself included, that helped get us interested in silver, where you look back and see, well, gee, if silver hit 50 bucks in 1980 and we have exponentially more debt and money that's been printed and expansion of the currency since then, then you would think that the current price of $25 would seem a little cheap. Again, we hit that 49.50 area in 2011 when the Fed was doing QE2 following the housing bubble. And obviously, we're well below that, despite the fact that the Fed's balance sheet, we'll pull that up real quick. Here we are in 2011, right there, the beginning. In fact, we'll go to April when the price was rising. So Fed balance sheet at 2.6 trillion as we sit today, even despite some quantitative tightening and interest rate increases, still 8.3 trillion, and yet silver at about half of what it reached during the advent of QE2 back in 2011. So obviously those prices did happen and are a relevant part of looking at what's going on here. But just for a second, imagine that they didn't, and we'll, we'll come back to factoring that in in just a moment, but 
you can see that the price of silver w wouldn't be entirely dissimilar from the gold chart or perhaps the U.S. debt chart in terms of matching some of the exponential rises that we've seen there. And just in terms of has silver played its role, I'm not saying that's the right answer, but one way of looking at it, although, of course, if you're sitting there saying, all right, but it did go to the 4950 region in those 1980 and 2011 timeframes. And I guess the way I've been thinking about that is that in each of those scenarios, you had a rather unusual event and perhaps concern that the system was going off the tracks at each of those points in time. Obviously, coming out of the stagflation of the 70s, you had a lot of people concerned. The Hunt brothers, I think, from the couple books that I've read about their involvement, were certainly very concerned about protecting their wealth and seeing the expansion of the U.S. currency and the debt that had been building following the 70s. So I think there was a lot of concern then. And yes, the hunts were acquiring large stakes in the silver market, although, as is worth pointing out, you also did see that spike to 850 bucks in the gold market. So this wasn't just the Hunt brothers that were involved in these markets and, and moving things back then. So especially if you if factor in the spike in gold back then, I think it's fair to say that there was a lot of concern. In fact, more than fair to say, I mean, Paul Volcker raised interest rates to 20% back then. He was that concerned. So you did have an issue back then, whether that means we were close to seeing a derailment of the system or not. Obviously, we don't know how things would have played out had Volcker not raised interest rates back then, but certainly an extreme time period. And then following what we saw in 2008 after Lehman collapse, obviously there's that famous Paul Kanjorski quote where he says we were hours away from seeing the entire thing melt down. Then the Fed comes in with quantitative easing, which at least in the U.S. at that time was unprecedented. So bringing all this back to what we're looking at the silver chart, perhaps it would be fair to say maybe that you see silver actually rising in somewhat of an exponential manner and you get spikes in silver when there's real concern about the stability of the infrastructure in the dollar and U.S. debt markets. And in terms of where does that leave us now? Well, maybe we'll get a continuation of that and that silver will generally chug higher over time and it might take a breakage of the U.S. financial system to see the price finally do something similar to what we saw in those previous two periods. We did have the high inflation that many were forecasting and that we've talked about a lot on the show, especially in 2022. I mean, I guess you could say we've had it for much longer time periods even before then. And that did not cause the silver price to go back up to $50. And just in terms of thinking about what to expect regarding silver, I point this out just as a, another way of looking at things because is interesting again if you take those two spikes out you see chart that actually would leave people feeling a lot more comfortable with the performance of silver over the past 50 years rather than if they're marking to either of those points where we did see some stress in the system obviously depending on one's perspective you could say there's a fair amount of stress in the financial system now that 
is set to be exacerbated by the impact of the increased interest rates. And then if you look even further ahead, obviously we have the big debt loads that are now starting to cause the interest expense as debt gets rolled over at those higher rates to become even more problematic. So it's not as if the conditions that led to either of these two spikes have gone away. Obviously, they're larger than ever before. Just when does that become an issue? Well, that's the the part that we don't know. There were people talking about how there were issues with the housing market in 2004, 2005, 2006, when rates were starting to be increased. And it became a bigger, more severe problem at the time that it did. Obviously, I wish I knew the exact timing. That would certainly be handy, uh, especially from an option perspective if we did. But just looking at what led to these two incidents and also how they were resolved and whether those solutions uh, would work now. I don't think we'll be getting 20% interest rates. I do think we'll be getting more quantitative easing, although at the point that you get more quantitative easing, which would likely have already been accompanied by interest rate cuts, I think the conditions are in place that we will see a fair amount of movement in the metals. So just some thoughts there on the silver chart, which I know is tough one for many people to watch day by day. And certainly if you were interested in silver because of that $50 spike, you know, it can be a little bit befuddling to see where silver sits today, just over $25.30, we'll call it now, as it is down a dime. If you do look at the inflation-adjusted chart, uh, I think this would actually be a little higher if you got the, the peak in there, but called about 140 back in 1980, and they have that peak over $60 back in 2011. Keep in mind, they are using the CPI figure, so if you are inclined to use a John Williams shadow stats number, obviously both of these figures would even substantially higher. So some thoughts on the silver price in terms of some of the things behind the silver price. Wanted to point out last week's COT report. This is as of July 11th. So includes up to last Tuesday, which was the day right before we got the CPI and PPI reports. So does not have those, those spikes in the silver and gold prices which means that it will be quite interesting to see what we have tomorrow. But as I had talked about in the previous report, you see the swap dealers here and they were net short about a thousand, uh, I think it was 1200 contracts the week before. And then after last week's report, you see just about 2000 contracts short, which is on the lower side of the range. The, Range usually goes from the banks, swap dealers getting extremely short to going back to flat. And traditionally, that has been one of the better indicators I've seen that when the banks do get somewhat flat in those contracts, that's when we've often seen the beginning of a rally. Although expecting to see a much different picture there in the COT report that will come out tomorrow. One of the reasons being that we have seen quite an increase in the open interest. Here we see July 3rd, it's down to 114,000 contracts and now up to 150,000 contracts. And in fact, if we go back to July 
twelfth, or actually, let's go to the eleventh, as this is marked. See, one hundred twenty thousand contracts. So, open interest, thirty thousand contracts higher, and you would imagine that the spec funds, large buyer there, and the banks doing a lot of the selling. Here, looking at the commercial position, we see that got pretty short, over 40,000 contracts back in May had come in a bit. And I would expect that we'll see a little bit of an increase from what we had last week, as once again, we will see the impact of last week's rally on tomorrow's data. Quick look at the registered inventory. We see about 593,000 ounces added yesterday, up to 35 million. So a little bit above the lows that we had seen over the past month. Again, here's where we were at Silver Squeeze up over 150 million. And then if we take this to the six month, actually higher than six months ago, where we had got 34 and a half came down. We had those big additions, then got down to 27 million ahead of the July delivery cycle. We have seen some big additions. And one other note here. In terms of silver supply, we, we this came out earlier this week. Newmont asked Penasquito Union to end the action strike. And as we have talked about before, Newmont's Penasquito gold silver operation in north central Mexico. We want to end the strike that has launched almost 40 days ago. So now up to about 45 days. And why is that important? Well, here in the World Silver Survey, you can see of the top producing silver mines, Penasquito coming in at number two, they produced 34 million ounces in 2021, 32.4 million ounces in 2022, ranking just after the KGHM Polska mine in Poland. So there have been the mining concessions by the Mexican government making it more difficult to mine in Mexico. So obviously with them being the largest silver producer, that is not ideal for the future supply of silver at a time where we continue to see the demand go up in a variety of the different buckets, perhaps the largest of which would be the solar installations that continue to grow quite rapidly. So in either case, we will keep an eye on that mine in Mexico and see how long it is shut down for about just under, if you had 36 million would be 3 million per month. So at a month and a half, if they were at this same pace, uh, four and a half million ounces of silver, not insignificant, obviously in a billion ounce market, that's not necessarily going to change the market structure, but a little bit here, a little bit there, and obviously with demand going higher and in the midst of this, We'll see how that all shakes out. It will be interesting to see what World Silver Survey comes back with. Have been forecasting a deficit for next year as well, leaving the silver market in a somewhat precarious position. Although fortunately for the silver market, we do still have First Majestic Silver out there, who not only brought us today's show, but also released their production numbers this morning, where they came back with 6.3 million silver equivalent ounces, consisting of 2.6 million silver ounces, 45,022 gold ounces. And as we take a look here, approximately 94% of the total production or 6 million of those silver equivalent ounces came from the three Mexican operations at San Dimas, Santa Elena, and La Encantada. We've mentioned before how they did shut down their Jarrett Canyon mine earlier this year. 
although they are processing some of the remaining ore stockpiles and produce 4,364 ounces of gold during the partial quarter. And as a result, that leaves in the first half, that first Majestic produced 5.2 million silver ounces, 105, 616 gold ounces for a silver equivalent, 14 million. And in terms of guidance for the second half, they're expecting it to produce between 5.3 and 5.9 million silver ounces, which comes out to 86,000 to 95,000 gold ounces, which would put the silver equivalent range at 12.4 to 13.8 million. And looking at an all-in sustaining cost range of 1769 to 1892 per silver equivalent ounce. So congratulations to First Majestic on the news. I'll have a video later today going through the rest of that. But either case, going to wrap up for now. Hope you're doing well out there and we will see you again in a little bit.